Hey CEO, I have an important question for you today. Are you running your business or is your business running you? If it's time to get your business in order so you can fully step into your role as a confident, in-control CEO, then I want to invite you to this advanced training series that I'm hosting live on May 20th through May 24th. We're calling it the 90 Day CEO Sustainable Success Series. And over these four days, we're gonna break down our research-backed, client-proven process to help you sustainably scale your business without hustling, without overworking, and without burnout. If you've been winging it in your business, hoping that you'll eventually get caught up and telling everyone in your life that when things calm down, you'll be a real functioning human again, this series is especially for you so that you can reclaim your life as you scale up your business. All you have to do is head over to theceocollective.com slash success and sign up. We can't wait to see you there. When we hear about entrepreneur burnout, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Hustling, grinding, putting in 80 hour work weeks. And it's easy to think that the solution to entrepreneur burnout is simply productivity tips and learning how to work smarter. But in today's episode, I want to dive deeper because there are more reasons why your business might be burning you out. And if you're not addressing them, all the productivity tips in the world will never make a difference. Are you ready to grow from solopreneur to CEO? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Rachel Cook, and I've spent the last decade helping women entrepreneurs start and scale service-based businesses. If you're serious about building a sustainable business, it's time to put the strategy, systems, and support in place to make it happen. Join me every week for candid conversations about stepping into your role as CEO, the hard lessons learned along the way, and practical, profitable strategies to grow a sustainable business without the hustle and burnout. Now, before we dive into today's episode, which is kicking off a whole new series here on the podcast, I wanted to just take a moment and give a shout out to everyone who participated in last month's giveaway. We had dozens of new reviews over on Apple Podcasts and people sharing the show on Instagram. And it means so much to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is your reviews and your shout outs that help me to spread the word about the show and get this message in front of more amazing entrepreneurs just like you. So if you didn't see the announcement over on Instagram, I was thrilled to share the winner. We put everybody's name into a spreadsheet anytime they left a review or posted and then used a random number generator to figure out who would win the ticket to the upcoming virtual CEO retreat. And I'm so excited to announce that it was Paloma from Rock Your Yoga Retreat who shared this review. She says, one of my favorites, Rachel is amazing. I never miss an episode. She gives you business tips that actually work. And it's so refreshing in today's inundated online business world full of gurus. She is the real deal. Thank you so much, Paloma. It means the world to me that you left this review, and I'm so excited to have you join us for the virtual CEO retreat. And thanks again to everyone who participated. 
Even if you didn't win, I want to let you know we still have tickets available for both the in-person retreat happening in Richmond, Virginia on September 20th and the virtual retreat happening on September 27th. So if you're interested in attending, I would love, love, love to have you show up and participate with us. And thank you again for all the sweet words and comments and reviews. Okay, let's dive right into today's episode. And today's episode really is kicking off a new series for the month of September going into October that's all about making your business work for you. And when I was sitting down to think about this topic, what really struck me is there is so much cookie cutter, one size fits all advice floating around online. And it's actually quite damaging for a lot of entrepreneurs because they walk around feeling like they should be designing their business in a specific way because some guru told them this was the solution. And when they finally reach me, I hear so much frustration, so much self-doubt, so much feeling like a failure. And it's really because there's just a lot of misinformation, a lot of one size fits all and not much depth to these kind of blanket pieces of advice. And that's leading to a lot of people designing businesses that don't work for them. And when your business doesn't work for you, you're going to burn out very quickly because it's frustrating and it's overwhelming and it doesn't seem to matter how hard you work or how many hours you put in, the strategies that you feel you should be doing just aren't getting the results that you're looking for. And that's why I wanted to talk first about why your business might be burning you out because this is huge. There are so many entrepreneurs right now, especially women entrepreneurs, starting new businesses. But when we start hearing statistics like 80% of new businesses are gone within a few short years, it really makes you think about why is that? And after working with thousands of women entrepreneurs, I truly believe that the biggest reason why they shutter their doors is not because they are not capable. It's not because they don't have amazing skills. It's not because they don't have value that they can bring to the world. It's because they never figured out how to get their business to truly work for them. And they were putting in crazy hours, grinding it out, trying to do all the things they heard that they should do. And all that hustle is a recipe for burnout. On the flip side, when your business truly works for you, when it's aligned with what will work best for you, then you don't burn out even if you are working a lot of hours because everything comes easier. Not to say that it's easy, but it comes more easily. It's more fitted, more tailored towards you and your specific skill sets. So I came up with five different reasons I think people are getting burned out on their business. And as we go through these five, I want you to kind of use these as a way to assess your business. If you are feeling burned out, you're feeling a bit worn down and frustrated because all the things you think you should be doing just aren't getting you where you want to go. Maybe one of these five things, one of these five challenges, um, are going to point you in the right direction to where you can start 
solving the real underlying problem. And it's not about being more productive. It's not about learning how to work faster. It's really about how your business is actually designed. So the first reason your business might be burning you out is you're in the wrong business model for you. I think this is so incredibly important to consider because not all entrepreneurs are created equal. We all have different strengths and different skill sets and different ways that we do our best work. But there are so many different types of businesses out there that you could apply all of your experience and all of your ideas and all of your background into. You could work one-on-one with people in a services-based model. You could create a course and have a courses-based business. You could create a suite of information products. You could create a membership site. You could create experiences and host events. How do you choose which business model makes the most sense for you? Well, I truly believe you have to come back to how do you do your best work in the world and what do you really enjoy? What is your zone of genius? Because all of those business models have very different things that go into running them. And this is the thing that I think we don't talk about enough. In the online space, especially, there is a lot of noise out there about why, for example, an online course business is the best thing on the planet. Everybody wants to talk about how great an online course business is. It allows you to serve more people. It allows you to scale your business. But the things that they don't talk about are what does it really take to run that type of business? And then I end up with all these entrepreneurs who spend years trying to make an online course business work for them or an online membership site work for them. And they realize that the majority of the work going into that is not interacting with clients, which is their zone of genius and what they truly loved. It's working behind the scenes, creating content by yourself in your office, recording all this content, um, spending a lot of time editing, spending a lot of time marketing yourself and growing your list. And they feel incredibly frustrated because those are not the activities that really get them excited about their business. Those are the activities they know they need to do, but it doesn't set their heart on fire. What they really love is talking with people and supporting people more um, personally, more one-on-one, having experiences with people. And that is where this whole problem starts. When we hear all the noise about how great this particular type of business model is, but we don't really consider what our strengths and our zone of genius is. So if you're not sure the right business model for you, one, I highly recommend going and checking out my sweet spot quiz because I have broken down from over a decade working with women entrepreneurs, four different business sweet spot themes that will give you a lot of insight into the right business model for you. If you've never heard me talk about this, the themes are the maker, the maven, the mentor, and the mastermind. Makers and mentors tend to do really well working closely with their clients in very different ways. But for them, the joy is in connecting one-on-one, watching someone get all the way through to the finish line, truly having a relationship with the people that they're serving. 
For mavens, they love being able to impact people at scale, but often the way that they do that requires a lot of behind the scenes support so that they can be the person out there sharing their vision, sharing their message. And masterminds tend to be like me. (laughs) They love creating content and putting together new concepts and putting together courses and trainings and frameworks and models for people to work with. If you understand your business sweet spot, you're able to make sure that you get into the right business model for you from the get-go. A business model that's truly aligned with your strengths, your zone of genius, instead of forcing you to spend time doing things you really don't enjoy doing and that don't bring you joy. If it doesn't bring you joy, it's not the right business model for you. So I highly recommend going to check out the Sweet Spot theme quiz, rachelcook.com slash quiz, because that will help you assess, are you in the right business model? And either way, this is a question I think you really have to dig into and understand what goes into any business model you're choosing for your business. What does it take for that business model to be successful? If you are a people person, the businesses that are getting a lot of Playtime right now, membership sites and online courses and info products, they're not going to feel great to a people person who really loves that one-to-one interaction. Businesses that depend on you creating a lot of content, that depend on you marketing yourself a lot, are going to be better for people who actually enjoy creating a lot of content and coming up with new ideas and putting it into different types of multimedia. So I really want you to be discerning about the right type of business model for you and make sure that it feels good. Okay, the second reason your business might be burning you out is you're in the wrong business model for your stage of business. This is a little bit different than the first reason we talked about just being in the wrong business model for you. Now we're talking about your specific stage of business. If you've never heard me talk about the business growth checklist, I will link it up in the show notes because it's one of my favorite resources I've ever created. And in the business growth checklist, I outline the three stages of business growth. The first is the startup stage. The second is the success stage. And the third is the scale stage. The startup stage is when you are brand new, you've got a baby business, and you're just trying to validate your idea, you're still figuring out what is the right product program or service, who are the right potential clients, what are the price points, how am I positioning this, how am I marketing this, how am I selling this, and you're just trying to get through the point where you have your first dozen or so paying clients. This is all about validation, and we all have to get through that stage. At that stage, we really don't have an audience. We are just getting started, so everything's like at ground zero. The second stage is once you've validated your ideas, once you've found the right product, program, or service for the right people at the right price point, you're solving the right problems for them, Then it's about learning how to rinse and repeat, how to continue selling that offer to more people. This is where you start building out your marketing systems and you really start to figure out how do I consistently enroll new clients so that I have consistent clients and cash flow every single month in my business. This is the stage where you're really learning a lot more about how to market your business, how to get in front of new potential clients. And again, You're just still growing. So you're not necessarily in front of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of potential clients. 
these businesses at this stage tend to still have a one-on-one component or a small group component. They tend to be higher price points so that you can serve fewer clients and make a livable income, an income that you can actually go buy groceries and pay your bills off of. The next stage is the scale stage. And this is where you are really shifting from working closely with your clients to packaging up everything you know um, and scaling your business in a way that allows you to stop trading dollars for hours, as the saying goes. This is where a lot of hype has been put in the scale strategy that goes on here. This is where you'll maybe consider creating a next level program, an online course, a mastermind, a membership site, a suite of info products. This is where you're truly creating offers that you can serve almost an unlimited number of people with. And with that, comes a huge shift, a huge business model shift, because you're no longer just serving maybe 20 clients or 50 clients a year, which is what most people find themselves doing in stage two, that success stage. If you just want a lifestyle business, you can serve 20 clients, 30 clients, 50 clients a year very comfortably in a one-on-one services model and make multiple six figures. But if you truly want to serve more and more and more people, you have to flip a switch in your business model and your time and energy goes from serving more fewer people at a higher price point to serving more people at a lower price point. It means your, your focus of your business completely shifts to marketing and your job really becomes marketing and selling at scale. Very different from the success stage, where you don't necessarily have to market and sell at scale. You're marketing and selling in a more um, high-touch way and a smaller capacity way. So go grab that business growth checklist so you can understand more about what goes into that. But the biggest challenge I see for a lot of entrepreneurs is they really get sucked into all the noise out there about how great it is to have an online course business or an online membership site business or an info product business. And they just don't understand the volume of marketing they will need to do, the marketing and sales skills they truly will need in order to make that work for them, and honestly, the audience size they'll need in order to generate a livable income. And it's really important that you understand how that works. You understand the math behind it and what it's going to take to be able to sell at the volume you need to in order to make sure that you can pay yourself a livable strategy. There is nothing wrong with having a one-on-one services-based business or working with people in small groups. Those are incredible business models. And I feel like there's just a lot of people putting them down and acting like that's the worst possible thing you can do because you're trading dollars for hours but we're going to talk in a second about why that could be a great option for you, especially if you're still in the startup stage or you're trying to really stabilize the cash flow in your business. Working in a more high-touch way could be a much better option for you at the current stage of your business. Okay, we have so far talked about some of the reasons your business might be burning you out, 
being around your business model. So you're either in the wrong business model for you. It's just not aligned with your zone of genius. It doesn't bring you joy. You're not excited to sit down for work every day. Or you're in the wrong business model for your stage of business. As in your business is just not ready yet to jump after those strategies that are in the scale stage. You're not ready to get there yet. And you're making it harder on yourself than it needs to be. So if that is the case, if either of those resonate with you, I would love you to let me know, like snap a quick screenshot of your podcast app, tag me on Instagram at rachel.cook and let me know if one of these is resonating, you're getting some clarity out of this. But there's still a few more reasons your business might be burning you out. The third reason I have here is that you're just working with the wrong clients, just working with the wrong clients. And this is honestly something we all go through. Even though there are a million exercises out there about how to attract your dream clients or figuring out your dream client um, avatar, there is only so much clarity you can get on a worksheet. (laughs) The best way to get clarity in this is to work with people to actually go through the process of working with more and more clients. We all will go through the experience of having a wrong fit client. And there's a few different reasons when I'm actually breaking this out into two different ways that they could be the wrong fit client. But the first is that they just are not the perfect fit for you. And you have to get clarity on this by going through a few, a few of the wrong ones. So whenever we've had a wrong fit client come in, it's truly giving me clarity about where I need to clean things up in my business. So it's not their fault if you didn't have the right things in place to either attract or repel them. If they're in your business, if they've hired you or they've bought something from you, you attracted us. So what do you need to do to clean this up? In my case, one-on-one wise, I've definitely had people who were a wrong fit. And I realized one of the reasons that they were a wrong fit was because I would jump on a call with them and fall in love with them and be like, yes, your vision sounds amazing. This is a great idea for a business. This is an awesome project you're working on. I love this. And I just get really excited. I get really fired up. I can see what's possible for this client. And I invite them to work with me one-on-one. And then we get started. And down the road, I realize, oh, there are some things here that I should have caught. (laughs) And I didn't. Some things that if I had a better process in place, I would have seen those red flags. And the things that make me crazy are like people who don't take action. It was like every time we were on a call, I was frustrated because they weren't taking action. They were not following up with the action steps that they had promised they would take. So they weren't good at self-accountability. They wanted me to really check in on them and kind of be their accountability buddy. And that just doesn't work for me right? Like, I don't want to be anybody's accountability partner. I want to support them. I want them to say, I'm going to do this and actually go do it. So I quickly realized that was something I could have maybe seen earlier in the process. I also realized people who were just excuse makers, like every time I gave them an idea or a suggestion, or we were trying to figure out a specific way to accomplish a goal, no, that won't work. I've tried that before. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't work in my type of business. That doesn't work in my industry. That doesn't work in my niche. People who are just coming up with a million reasons for why they can't do something. So I started seeing these challenges and I realized, you know what? I need people 
who they don't need an accountability partner. They are self-starters. They just need me to help them find that clarity and figure out what the next step is. And they will take that step on their own. I realized I needed people who weren't going to let a ton of excuses or mindset challenges hold them back because I'm not a mindset coach. Like I understand some mindset things. I can navigate through some of those things, but it's not my zone of genius. And I don't want to spend all of my time with somebody trying to figure out why they are committed to staying stuck more than they're committed to taking action. So how did I clean that up on my end, making sure that I would no longer attract that type of person? I realized instead of just jumping straight onto a call where all I really got to know about them was their vision and what they were trying to accomplish, I needed to put a process in place to make sure that they were really well vetted, (laughs) they were going to be a great fit to kind of um, filter out the people who were going to be the excuse makers or the people who couldn't take action on their own. So what are the things I put in place? One, I knew that the people I wanted to work with were already familiar with my work. So they had already listened to my episodes, they had already listened to my show, they had already um, maybe jumped into one of my free trainings. And because of that, they had a really good feel for who I was and how I worked. I would never have to get on a call with them and try to convince them how good I am. They already knew because they've been listening along with me for a while. I also knew that I didn't want people just booking a free session with me or booking a consult call with me without knowing how I worked. So they have to go through an entire page outlining what offer they want to get more information on. So the last one we enrolled for was my CEO Accelerator. There's a whole page on my website dedicated to breaking down what the accelerator is, how it works, how much access they get to me, how much access they get to my team, what the price point is, what the big questions are, testimonials from my different clients who've been through the accelerator. All of that information is available to them so that I'm not having to explain how I work on a call. They already come in knowing that. And if they have additional questions, there's FAQs, etc. Then they fill out an application. This has become one of the biggest things to help me make sure I get the right fit clients into my higher level one-on-one services or group services like the Accelerator, because I can ask very clear questions and get a better picture of where they are in their business, what's going on, where they want to be, where they're stuck, why they're stuck, and try to figure out if I could find some red flags in that. It's a really great strategy. And I highly recommend if you're working one-on-one, you have some sort of application process. But it doesn't end there. It's not like they fill out an application and instantly get on a call. We actually review the application and we have kind of a criteria we're looking for. We're looking for people at a certain stage of business. We're looking for people who are generating a certain level of revenue. We're looking for people who are committed to doubling or tripling their business in the accelerator because it's an accelerator. We want people who are ready to really grow so that the whole group is committed to that. We're looking for people who are ready to try things out and who are more committed to taking action than being stuck at their existing level. So we go through this criteria and then we invite them to an interview. And the whole point of the interview is for me to figure out, are they a great fit or are they not a great fit? And I definitely had some interviews with people who I realized pretty quickly they are not a perfect fit. And in fact, I sent them to my 
online training program because I felt like they would be better served there to get the foundation in place and to really get those systems and strategies implemented before they jump into a program like the CEO Accelerator. So that process really helps us to filter out wrong fit clients right up front. It helps us to think about what are the red flags, things that I do not want to be dealing with, like people who are committed to excuses instead of taking action. I ask a question in the application to ask them about that. Like, what are the reasons you haven't gotten to this goal yet? I make sure there's a section in the sales page for the accelerator talking about the whole purpose of this program is to take action. So that really helps to filter out those wrong fit clients. Now, if you're at the stage where you're still getting some of those clients in and you're looking at your calendar and you're kind of dreading talking to them or you're looking at your inbox and they're emailing you all the time, that brings us to the next reason you might be having some wrong fit clients who are burning you out in your business. And it really isn't as much about the client as about having a clear container. So reason number four, your business might be burning you out You need clearer containers to work with your clients. This is about boundaries and expectation setting upfront at the very beginning of the relationship as you take on that client, as you onboard that client, and make sure that both of you are completely on the same page. Often, I find the reason people dread working with the client is because they can tell this client is asking for too much and there is a there is something wrong here. They are frustrated because there's scope creep. They're asking a lot. Um, they're emailing at all times of the night. They have unrealistic expectations. But if the expectation is never made clear, you really can't blame the client for that. You really can't. It's up to you to create that clear container. And this is something I'm really talking about a lot with my clients in Sweet Spot Strategy, my online program, because a lot of times we are hesitant to put that clear of a container. We're hesitant to put um, limitations on access to us because we feel like, oh, people signed up to work with us. They should be able to email us anytime. They should be able to call us anytime. They should have lifetime access to everything. But if you go through that enough times of somebody just really getting frustrated with you when they email you on a Friday evening and you're already gone for the weekend and your team's already gone for the weekend or people who continue asking for more and more and more, even though you have already completed everything that you promised in that particular package or program, you start to get frustrated. And that frustration is really a sign that Boundaries have been violated, and now we need to go in and reestablish those boundaries. And it comes down to that clear container. So when I'm looking at a program for one of my clients, I'm looking at things I'm creating for myself, I always have some specific questions I'm going to ask to figure out, is this a clear container? The first thing is, honestly, the easiest part of the clear container is anything you're creating that's content. Um, One of the challenges I have run into over and over and over again, gosh, I am terrible at this. And I've had to really rein myself in is I love creating content. And in fact, people who've been inside of my programs for years and years know that 
I have multiple training programs that I've just created just for Sweet Spot Strategy. There's a whole program in there about how to run challenges. There's a whole program in there about um, how to get more clients. There's a whole program on how to host a blog tour. I just almost can't stop myself. But because I set the precedent of creating mini trainings every single time there was a question, now it actually became like, this monster I can't get away from. I was way over delivering on the content side and really at the end of the day realized it's too much. People are overwhelmed and they're not even digging into it anyway. So I had to really get clear and and strip things back and get focused again on the content side with what do they need in order to get where they want to go? And do I need to create something here or not? Is this a bonus type of content Or is this a whole separate training that they should be paying for? So I really had to clean up the container on the content side. The other container I had to clean up was the community. What are the expectations for the community? How is the community going to run? Who is in charge of the community? How are we moderating the community? How are we supporting the community? Are we answering questions in the community? Or is there a different way that I need to be engaging with that community? For a long time, I felt obligated if I had a free Facebook group that anytime somebody posted a question, as soon as I got a notification on my phone, I should be in there right away. But it turned into a huge distraction for me and made me really frustrated with that group because I felt like I was just getting interrupted all the time. So I had to clean it up on my end, right? I had to say, you know what? I'm going to limit how many times a day I check in on this, or I'm going to ask my community manager, my director of community success to be the person to check in on this. I also had to clean up how long people get access to things. When I first got started in my business, I was like, yes, once you sign up, you're a client for life, you get access to everything and everything and everything. But what I realized is five years, even eight years, nine years down the road, I had people who had paid me once who were getting access to more and more and more and more and more. And instead of them paying me again, they were just getting it for free. And at some point, giving more than expected and going above and beyond, this was beyond that. This was beyond just exceeding expectations or going the extra mile. This was like going the extra hundred miles and then wondering why I was exhausted. So I realized I needed to tighten up the container. I needed to put in some more boundaries. If I created a new program, like the CEO retreat, I couldn't just give everybody free tickets to that. And that was my instinct was to just say, oh, I created something new. You get it for free. Instead, I had to say, you know what? No, this is something new. And I would love to have you there. And this is what the ticket price is. They did get an existing ticket, uh, client ticket price, but it was actually a huge energetic step for me to say, this is something new and separate. You need, you need to pay me for this. So having these clearer containers, thinking about your content, what is the, the clear container for the content for this program, whether it's a one-on-one program or a group program or an online program, What does that content look like? What does the community container look like? What are the rules? What's the structure? What are the boundaries? What about access to you? What does that look like? I had to really train myself that I don't have to be available um, on demand. 
And that was hard for me for a long time. But now I'm really committed to, you know what, I serve my community best in my paid programs when I show up at our designated call times and can go really in depth for the questions they have instead of typing a two line response in with thumbs, right? So that's what I committed to. I'm going to put most of my effort and energy into our designated call times, as opposed to getting distracted all day long by notifications from a Facebook group. Having clearer containers on the one-on-one side also really helps you to make sure that those expectations are set, the boundaries are set from the beginning. If they need something extra, it becomes easier to say, you know what, this is an additional service or that will be an additional whatever price point to add on to your business or to their invoice, to their package. So that really helps you a lot to make sure that the really it's about making sure the value exchange isn't getting completely uneven. Again, I'm a huge believer in going the extra mile. I'm a huge believer in exceeding expectations. But when you're not just going the extra mile, but you're going the extra 10 miles because you're having a hard time asking them to continue paying you or just saying, you know what, this is what this offer is and this is the next thing, the next step, then you're gonna find yourself really frustrated and maybe even a little resentful when you feel like people aren't compensating you for all the extra effort that you're going through for them. Okay, we've covered a lot of ground so far, and I want to get into the final reason your business might be burning you out. You're simply not making enough money because you're not priced for profits. Yeah. If you're not making enough money in your business, then it's going to be really hard to feel motivated to get up every day, sit down at your desk, and do the things that need to happen. This is one of the tricky topics to jump into because while I know a lot of the people in my community aren't necessarily motivated just by money, right? We're motivated to make a difference. We're motivated because we love the work that we're doing. We're motivated because we like to see the impact we make with our clients. And all of those are amazing things. But money is a great indicator of success, right? It's a more concrete indicator than just looking at something like how much we love our work, which is a little bit more of an abstract thing. So if you're not making enough money in your business, if your business isn't profitable enough, and you're not actually able to pay yourself, especially if you're not able to pay yourself a living wage, then it's hard to feel excited to sit down and get to work. It's hard to feel excited to go out there and do big things. And it's also incredibly hard to grow your business because at the end of the day, it does take money. It takes capital in order to grow. So how can we fix this? I really encourage you to look at your pricing and see if you're priced for profit. If you're not sure if you're priced for profit, (laughs) that means we need to take a deep dive into your numbers. But often I see people picking price points just by looking around at what everyone else around them is doing and kind of plucking a number out of thin air and saying, well, the average cost for this type of service is $100 an hour, or the average cost for a membership site is $25 a month. They just kind of pull numbers out of thin air and aren't really thinking about what goes into running and delivering this type of offer. 
Even if you are running an offer that is highly scalable, like an online course or a membership site, there is still a tremendous amount of effort and energy that goes into creating that content, delivering that content, hosting that content, supporting that content. And we often don't think about it. So one of the easiest ways you can really think about if you're priced for profit is just sit down and think about, yes, how much time and energy it takes you to deliver that. And then what is your hourly rate worth? Are you not considering that when you are coming up with a price point? So often when people come up with a price point, they don't consider what it would cost for someone else to do that or someone else to deliver that or someone else to support you with that. So this is something we build into every single offer. We actually think about what are the hard costs for us to run each offer. For example, and I've shared this before, um, when I first ran the CEO retreat, the very first one in January of 2018, I underpriced it and I didn't really know that I underpriced it so much. I didn't run my numbers. It was not price for profit. In fact, it basically broke even that first one because I had people coming in at $97, $197, $297. And when I looked at my cost per person to attend that event, it was closer to about $150 per person to attend that event. So it barely squeaked by. Um, but really, by the time I included the cost of having my team member there, I brought Amber in, my um, director of operations in to be with me that weekend. And I realized, oh, okay, we basically broke even on that event. We made sales on the back end of that, people who joined me for the accelerator or people who joined me for um, Sweet Spot Strategy. But I was not priced for profit (laughs) and it would not have been sustainable for me to continue at that price point. So now we sit down and we think about what is the cost to rent the space? What is the cost for food and beverage? What is the cost for me to fly a team member out for the weekend and pay for their flight and their hotel and all their food and their time? It really ends up being, you know, several thousand dollars just to have support there for the event. What is my time cost. Like if I was just paying myself a hourly rate, what would I say it is to prepare, to lead, to be there, to do all the work, to show up for that event? I asked myself, what is the cost for all the materials? And now we realize because we've upgraded the event, we made it even better, our costs are higher, right? So we have to build that in. Now I know it's really easy to feel like in an online model, you don't have to think about that, but you absolutely do because you still have to pay for somebody to help you manage, you know, all the things going on with those people. So we have to pay somebody to manage the inbox, pay somebody to manage a Facebook group. Um, We have subscription fees or software fees or anything to host that event, that group and that program. And to think about how much time and energy it takes to create the content to keep the content updated every year, to edit the content every year, how much time it takes for me to deliver every month. And that helps us inform the pricing to make sure that we're not just um, considering what it costs to make it the first time, or we're not just considering the cost of hosting it. Because if it is basically breaking even, you're never going to be able to pay yourself or you're paying yourself, but you're not really including your time and energy into what it takes to 
create that offer or host that offer, deliver that offer. So anytime I'm thinking about pricing, I'm really breaking down what does it cost for me to deliver this? What does it cost for me to create it, deliver it, fulfill it? If I had to replace my role and pay someone else, how would I make sure I'm paying someone else and still making money for the business off of that? And really looking at the pricing and make sure I'm priced for profit. So that is just kind of a real high level conversation about pricing. Pricing is an art and a science. It takes time to find the right prices. It takes courage to raise those prices. But honestly, one of the easiest ways to get out of that feeling of burnout where you just feel like you're hustling and you're not making anything out of your business, examine your pricing. The simplest, easiest thing you could do is increase your prices by 20-25%. And yes, some people, if you have super price sensitive clients, might fall off. Um, But you could increase your prices by 20-25% and lose 20-25% of your clients and pretty much come out ahead. So that is one of the easiest ways to make sure that you are not feeling overwhelmed and burned out by your business. Make sure you can pay yourself. Make sure you've built it in to your business. Okay, this was a little bit of a different episode, but I really wanted to get you thinking beyond the surface level reasons you might be feeling burned out by your business. Because while we can talk productivity and we can talk working smarter, at the end of the day, if these things are not addressed, you can work just 20 hours a week and still be feeling burned out by your business. If you're in the wrong business model for you, if your business model is not aligned with your actual stage of business growth. If you're working with the wrong fit clients or you just don't have the right containers for those clients, those clear expectations and boundaries. And if you're not priced for profit, it's really hard to solve any other challenges that you might be facing. So I'd love to hear from you. If you love today's episode, please take a quick screenshot, share it with me on Instagram, tag me at rachel.cook and let me know what resonated with you. What ahas or insights did you get from today's episode? For the latest episodes and full show notes, including all the links I mentioned earlier, head over to rachelcook.com slash show. If you don't want to miss this or any future episodes, make sure that you subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Shout out to Jameson Cook from JCC Podcast Production for producing and editing the show. Go check him out at jamesoncook.com to bring your podcast to life. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Promote Yourself to CEO. Talk soon.